host, Scott Ramage. On this episode, we're ta- chatting with Chris McNamara of EAX Evolution Athletics in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Uh, Chris has owned the gym for six years. He is still active duty military. And uh, he, uh, he has a son, and I'm super excited just to get into chatting with you. Welcome to the show, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked too. Yeah, so um, we, were, we were just talking. I, I was kind of stumbling there because I wanted to say something about Pinehurst being known for golf. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. I don't, they don't know us for much more. A couple people know it for military because it's right outside Fort Bragg, but it's like one of the golf capitals of the, the U.S., I guess. Yeah, so yes. And um, you, you not only own a gym there, you, so you're, are you stationed or work out of Fort Bragg? I am. I am. I've been here for the last uh, 13 years or so and um, putting roots down. So I'm not going anywhere. So I either got to pick up my golf game or hopefully keep the business going. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit about your gym. Let's just kind of start with business side of your, of your, uh, of your life. Yeah. So, I mean, our gym, uh, my gym evolution athletics, we started in 2014 um, you know, and we're coming up on year seven now. We had two locations at one point, uh, but the guy who was running that moved to Morocco of all places, military guy. So we ended up leasing it to one of our old coaches and just kind of focusing on the headquarters here in Pinehurst. Uh, we are a little bit different than a lot of gyms that I've seen um, in terms of about 30% of our members are class folks. Uh, and then the overwhelming majority of the rest are individual athletes, so individual programming, um, that we do both myself and my coaches. That is, that is quite different. So why? why yeah, I mean, percent individual training. Uh, I kind of had a weird route getting to where I'm at now with, uh, running the gym, but at the same time, I've always appreciated the individualized approach to people's goals. And, and just that came from some of my own endeavors as an athlete. And then as it switched into more of a coaching thing, it always, uh, struck me as odd that when you would walk into a gym, they would say, here's, here's what you're going to do. And very rarely it was there like, what are your goals and how do we get there? Um, and that's, you know, full, full disclosure. One of the reasons that drew me to the level method, it was individualized, even for folks that still need the social aspect. Cause I will tell you, I'm one of the class people, right? Um, I don't compete like I used to. Uh, but a lot of our members here are military with very specific goals. So their programming kind of needs to be specific to that. Uh, and then we've got a bunch of, you know, higher level athletes that do the same thing. But the principles are, I want to start where the person's at, and then we'll build the roadmap or the program to get them there. So tell me about that. When someone comes in to the doors and says, you know, or, or sets up an appointment to check out the gym, are they coming in with the idea of group fitness? Or are they coming on an idea with personal fitness? And how do you sell that? Like, What's that process look like? Yeah, I would tell you over the years it switched, you know, especially when uh, CrossFit was at its peak and we were an affiliate and it was, you know, people just knew that. Um, but at the same time, a bunch of folks would come in knowing my background and say, hey, I want to I want a very specific plan to get somewhere in the military that requires a really hard um, and specific selection process. So, you know, it, it kind of evolved from that. And so um, someone comes in and we obviously have the, uh, free trial stuff and, and no sweat intros and they'll come in and that's what we start with. What are your goals and what do you want to use? What platform do you want to use to get there? 
if it's even if it's someone with general fitness, we try and dial that in a little bit more. Do you want to lose weight? Are you trying to look for health markers? Are there specific things that you define as health? Um, and we try not to define that for them. And then on the other side, if someone comes in for a specific program or goal, they usually tell us out, out front, you know, hey, I'm going for this event at this time. And we can really start to lay that out. It's also nice because I can have people transition between the two. After someone gets to a certain point, uh, whether it's in the class model or individual model, sometimes they just want to switch gears. Whether they need to or not, another story. Um, but we can offer that in-house now. So we can say, hey, here you go. Come over here and work with my weightlifting coach if you really dig weightlifting. Come over here and work with, you know, one of our high-level competitors if you're getting into competing. We have it here for them. Yeah. Something you, you mentioned that I really like is that you pretty much are starting everybody out with a goal set. Like Absolutely. From, from, from the start, they're putting in their head that this is about reaching goals. That's it, man. And, and you know, like for me specifically, uh, it switched the opposite way that a lot of our younger crowd will do is I went from very goal-oriented, military-focused, and then obviously uh, kind of regionals and national-level weightlifter type guy to I'm just trying to stay healthy and fit and not in pain and keep up with my kid, that sort of cliche thing. Um, but I have very specific goals that I want to do and I want to track those metrics. Uh, but when I would, I've heard it before, like, hey, what are your goals? Okay, great. We have one offer, offering and you're going to do what everybody else is doing. And it's like, hey, going to the doctor, um, asking for allergy medicine and, and you don't like the one he has, but he's like, here you go. So we wanted to have more options and more offerings and really tailor it to the person um, but it feeds perfectly into what we can do with the level method or individual assessment program, um, because we say, okay, what are your goals? And we actually make the assessment individualized. We don't have the same blanket one for everybody because their goals drive the assessment process. Wow. That's really cool. So it's, it's pretty much a high level delivery right from the beginning. Do you, yeah, we try. Do you feel like you lose people? Um, I mean, is, are your prices a little higher, um, you feel like you lose people because of that, and is that good? At Level Method, we're constantly searching for ways to make your life as a gym owner easier, and that's why we created our social media service that makes you look like you're putting in tons of hours or paying someone an arm and a leg. Get six professional themed text and image posts each week, four weeks at a time. Check out levelmethod.com social for more info. Yeah, we, we absolutely are. And, and I know that. And um, we have like we've had some folks come in and there's a sticker shock to it. And, then, and even with our classes, because, you know, um, they don't know any better without explanation, but they see some other folks down the road with lower prices and and thinking it's the same thing. Um, and we try and let them, you know, see what it's all about and stuff. But, you know, openly not it's not a good fit for everyone. Right. But I, I don't necessarily lose a lot of sleep over that because we can have a higher focus on the people within our walls. And so that's been pretty good. And for our coaches, the same thing. That's not death by volume and churn. Um, they're really allowed to and, and encouraged to build a, a team dynamic with their individual athletes. And it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty interesting thing to watch in our classes. While our classes going on, we keep them small just to make, make sure we're providing high quality coaching anyway. Um, but then a bunch of our individual athletes are running around cheering on the class members. And when some of our weightlifters are competing remotely or digitally right now, the class hangs out and does it all with them. And there's a lot of crosstalk and we try and create that environment that is, if everyone is focused on getting better, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's supportive. Um, and the only one they're competing against is themselves. 
So you've kind of got the best of both worlds then because you, you have the community aspect, even with the personal training and the individual programs. Yeah, it feels like that. I'm hundred percent biased, uh, you know, but it, it does feel like that. And so, you know, to go back, Scott, the, the name of my business evolution athletics was driven by the fact that everybody was so tied to marketing, like how they could market themselves to be different. The whole purpose of naming my business evolution athletics was like, Hey, let's evolve past the marketing and find what's better for our people. And, and a lot of our communities latched onto that. And we're, you know, it's interesting. And even during COVID times, we're at all time high of, of clients and revenue and everything else right now. And, and to, a, to the point we're having a waiting list, um, we just can't keep up with some of the demand. So it's, it's a good thing for now and knock on wood, we'll keep going. Yeah, I think the, I think you kind of just went full circle without knowing it. You're, you're not focused on marketing, but because you're focused on the right things, marketing, it, it, I mean, you are marketing. You uh, I agree. Internal. Yeah. It takes care of itself in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of things make you stand out? I, I know members or, or, or other gym owners are listening going, okay, that's really, really awesome. I have a hard time getting people. What is it that is, makes that not a problem for you? I, I would have to say it's a little bit of nature, a little bit of nurture. So um, we are in a kind of smaller area, uh, very, the, the demographics a little bit older, a little bit higher um, average income and things. And so we can get away with that admittedly, like it won't work everywhere else. Um, but I also know what our other competitors in town offer in the other gyms and it's, it's community and it's, you know, a good time while you work out and general fitness and stuff. And so I don't try and beat them at their own game. And, and I honestly will refer people their way because they do amazing things. Um, because when people see some of the sticker shock and when they see the, the, I guess you could say the request we have for them as our athletes, as far as accountability and, and following through what they do, because our coaches are putting a lot of time and energy into it. Um, it's a little bit more than just show up and work out. And so when we do that, one word of mouth spreads and then two results are king. I don't care what you're doing. So we just tell our people stories. And so when we have people achieving success, it speaks for itself. And that's, you know, that's like a lot of the time what's driving us right now is, is the success our people are having on the military side. Um, and then some of the competitive side and our, our gym members just love to be around it because it's infectious. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people have this kind of like this fear of they're, they're narrowing their market down too much, but it sounds to me like you've narrowed your market down so much that those people are knocking at the door waiting. It's created a waiting list. That's an incredible, uh, testimony in the time where businesses are really struggling, business gyms are closing because of the COVID, COVID restrictions, um, and just the, the, the way the world is operating right now, general emotional health is down. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And, and if I could, on that point, I would say like COVID highlighted that for us. Uh, the fact that we were from day one with the majority of our athletes being individual and, and on a platform called true coach, even if they're in the gym working with me, they're looking at their phone for true coach. And so because the overwhelming majority of my population is military and travel a lot, it's always been that way. Yeah. Um, I've had some athletes for five or six years, multiple deployments, you name it. We, we never skip a beat. So when COVID happened, it was just as simple as, Hey, continue in your garage. You know, we did the equipment sign out too while we were shut down. Um, but they never had to miss a beat. And because their coach knows their goals and their coach knows what they have, they can modify accordingly. So um, thankfully, like that wasn't foresight. We never saw this coming. It just, it happened. 
Yeah. And so we've been able to capitalize on that. And, and that's where I would say during COVID, we hit this uptick because a bunch of people in our local area was like, hey, you could, you could still do your stuff and you can still be guided um, and send people our way. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I think you, you named a really good point was that when COVID happened, you didn't lose touch. Now, uh, selfishly, we partnered with Chocolate Pro and you probably do not know, but Chocolate Pro has as much, if not more of those options than True Coach at this point. So I definitely have I to talk to you about know. that. <laughs> Let's talk after this, man. And I'm we're going to save you a lot of money too. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. So, but, but the point is, is just because they're not in your building, just because they can't be face-to-face with you, like the delivery has got to be just as refined and it's got to be just as personal. And having a tool to stay in touch with them and then keeping that your focus, I mean – I think, I think a lot of people kind of broke down and kind of lost hope and, and didn't do that. So it sounds like you guys just stayed lockstep and just moved, pushed through. Um, how did you handle, how did you work with your coaches through the, all that transition and, and how many coaches do you have? Yeah. So I've got um, pretty much two full-time, well, two full-time and then four that are part-time. Um, and, and interestingly, like, cause some of my coaches are military as well. One of my coaches with 40 or 50 individual athletes right now. He is, he lives in San Antonio. Um, he does it all remote and we have people coming in here, but it starts with relationships. Um, he has fostered the relationship with these people. And even though he was moving to uh, San Antonio for a military thing, um, the clients did not want to leave him. Yeah. Some wanted to switch to in-house coaches so they could, could get feedback and, and have that day-to-day interaction. But the overwhelming majority of people stayed with him and he's since added clients. So it's been interesting that way, but, uh, you know, for us with the coaches aspect, it was just, we did, did everything else. Like anyone else was doing zoom meetings, went, went remote with our coaching, uh, seminars and things, and then, um, put a lot of focus then on continuing ed. So making the best out of a crappy situation, but still trying to better ourselves as coaches. Right. Right. That's awesome. That's incredible. And I think uh, attitude moving into it, problem solving skills, you guys are all military. So you're, you're probably trained to the bone on that. So oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's the next thing I want to talk about because you built this business over the last six years. Yeah. Um, and it's a healthy business. You built this business over the last six years and you are, you know, full-time active duty, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So how did, how did that work out? How, how are you managing yeah. So, I mean, the, the first part is surrounding myself with amazing people. Um, no doubt about it. That that's what made it successful. Uh, I did have a business partner to start with. Um, but unfortunately he, he was a, uh, he was more of the endurance type was doing a 50 mile ride one day around here and, um, got hit while he was riding his road bike and, and life flighted to, you you know, the, the local, like UNC, the hospital here. And, um, we had to split things up cause he just couldn't handle it after a severe TBI. Um, so more of it was put on my plate. Uh, but luckily the people that I have with me, my general manager and my coaches, um, they are stellar. And so it's very, very hands off for me. And, and a lot of times it's them trying, they're so driven. Well, sometimes me pulling back the reins, like, Hey, we, you know, I love the innovation. I love the other stuff. We got to figure out a way to implement it. So it's, I'm in a good situation. It's only because the people around me. And, um, so my goal is to talk to um, gym owners, mostly the other gym owners want to work towards the life they have. And I would say that what you just explained is something other gym owners really want to have. They want to have this, like you, they're having to slow down their, their leadership within their own building to keep them, um, it, they're just motivated. So let's talk about that. 
how did you find them? And, and let's start there. How'd you find these people? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. So when I was coming up through the coaching ranks, um, I was fortunate enough to have a bunch of mentors who were like from the all blacks. Now my mentors, the head strength conditioning coach out at the Raiders. Um, I had all these, you know, giants around me and I started chasing certifications and I started chasing all these different things that look good on paper. And then after years of doing it and then just, you know, years of, of hiring folks and doing things in the military, I've kind of boiled it down to, to three main things. And so it's suitability, fit and risk. Um, so if they are if they are suitable, meaning they have enough knowledge and enough um, of the prerequisites, whatever your gym owners want that to be, whether it's a CrossFit level one, whether it's a little bit more, um, that's fine. But like, are they suitable to do the job? That starts there. Then fit. I'm huge on fit. I don't care if the person has the most credentials in the world. I have turned down coaches because they had an amazing resume, but they just would not fit in our group dynamic because of ego or other things. And last thing is risk. What I mean by risk is, um, you know, how, how are they going to interact with people on a daily basis? Uh, how are they going to carry our brand? How are they going to, uh, I guess, flourish, whether they want to um, continue their coaching growth process or not. I don't mean risk like, are they going to hurt somebody with their programming right. yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So it's like, how would they impact us and the, the family of EAX? Yeah, that's, that's a really good, I love that, the, that list. So, so you, just to reiterate, your three things for when you're looking for team members, basically, inside of your building, inside of your business is suitability, fit, and risk. That's my degree, yeah. Yeah. Is that a is that a military learned thing or is that a, a Chris thing? It, it's a it's an adapted military thing. Um, you know, obviously in the military domains, we look for a few other things. There's technical and tactical expertise and some other things. But for where I'm at, I kind of distilled it down to those few things because I absolutely encourage a diverse coaching staff. I don't think there's any set list of co- of courses and all this other stuff uh, degrees that make a good coach. In fact, I think it's the opposite. It starts with a good human and then we layer that stuff on. And that's what we do. You know, if we have someone who has uh, beginner level coaching skills, but we see those traits in there that we can develop. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll pay for them to go to the coaching certs because we want that type of good human around. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So how much of a role does your, your military experience play in the way that you operate your business? I would say it has a big influence. There's no way I can throw away like 20 years of, of doing it without, uh, you know, paying homage to that. But at the same time, um, I try not to make it some, some very dogmatic and regimented place. I don't want that because if 80% of my members are coming from the military, they just want to shut it off. Um, and they want to operate there, but you know, simple things like, uh, we get common, you know, commended all the time from people coming in about how clean and organized we are, how, how strict, uh, you know, like sticking to schedules and, and things like that. And the consistency there, I think, is one thing that well, I've been told separates us from some other places just because the people want to know what they're getting into. And uh, I would say that the flip side of the coin of, um, you know, kind of doing our own thing and running our own model is you can slip down this slope of, of no guidance and uh, very free flow. So we're trying to find that balance all the time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's dive into your your your, your own systems and processes. I mean, you have a, you, you have a business, you have um, a successful business, you're running multiple staff. You're uh, also working, I would assume, like I said, full-time, you have a son. 
what's, what are your personal management skills? What are the things that you like do daily systems, processes, uh, non-negotiables, all those? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with, with priorities and scheduling. So like, you know, setting my priorities for the day in a given day. Um, and, and that's typically like, you know, work. So army things, um, the business and, and family in some capacity, depending on what's going on. Uh, those might take a different weight each day. And like, obviously my family's always going to come first, but if we're just doing school and nothing else after, well, it's, that takes a little bit less time. So I kind of build my schedules out like that. And that's the thing I, I wake up, uh, usually same time every day, like 5am and go do, I do our morning class with our people, um, and then flip around and, and get the kids to school and then, or the son to school and then head to work for a while. And then in the evenings, come back and check things out. Um, but you know, with the 40 individual athletes I have as well, um, it's, it's very regimented on how I talk with them as far as setting some boundaries. Um, some people I know just keep their phone open 24, seven, 365. I, I think if there's a mutual respect and a relationship built, there's boundaries, uh, and people start to get that. But, um, you know, if I schedule certain times every day to do certain things, it prevents the, the creep or the distraction stuff that can come up from life. Um, and then at the same time, uh, with our coaches and staff, they know if they want to hit me up at certain times a day or certain methods to do that, to avoid the stray voltage that I think can pull people off track very easily if you let it. As a gym, you don't want to get lumped in with the bottom of the barrel. You must stand out from the crowd and deliver real value. And the Level Method gives you a clear way to show prospects and clients how you're different from all the other gyms out there and what it means to them. Go to levelmethod.com to find out more. Yeah, I like that that term stray voltage because uh, I've been a victim of stray voltage. It was a, it was a massive issue. I thought it was, it was part of my success. And I, I would imagine that a lot of gym owners feel like that stray voltage is a part of their success where they are, they get hit with a question or a concern or a need from a member and they're Johnny on the spot. Uh, over time that erodes your personal ability to have a good time with your family, your personal ability to person to grow all these other things. So I think it's, it's extremely great to hear it from somebody who has success, who has a waiting list. If you have a waiting list, you're, you're in a good place, right? Um, that, that, that building in a system of when and why you're going to respond. So on that note, do you, um, what do you, what do you do to keep yourself sharp outside of all of these other things that you already got going on? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, part of, of the mantra of what we do around here is get better every day, some way, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever you want to focus on at the time. And I, I try to embody that one is a representation for my people. And two, uh, I don't sit still well. And so I like to be focused on getting better at something, whether it's learning. And that's big for me at this point in life. Um, I realize now how much I don't know. So I want a big learning kit. So it's either a podcast or an audio book every single day, multiple times a day. Um, and then picking short-term goals that are sprints that I can kind of focus on. It used to be from an athletic endeavor when I was competing, you know, certain PR metrics or whatever. Um, nowadays it's like how many books I can read, uh, other things that I can do in the short term. But I, I would say the follow-up from that is like how you implement it. Um, I don't want to be one of those people who just continually learns and never implements. And so, uh, quarterly I try and focus on a new thing or a new implementation piece and get that up and running and then add on instead of just doing a bunch of things at a mediocre level. 
Yeah, I think that's another thing I've been focused on this year is you don't only cons- you don't only need to be a consumer, you need to actually kind of step into it and and improve on the things. I think people can go from book to book to book to book or pod has pod and they they never implement anything. Now it's all in their head a little bit, but there's no practice behind it and we all know that that practice is what develops the um, the things that make us better in those. So what is your current learning journey right now? Yeah, so recently I've been trying to uh, implement a lot more sports science stuff at the gym at a, at a higher level. And so uh, the specific two things recently are muscle, muscle oxygenation sensors and then uh, kind of some thermogenic stuff, um, you know, heat cameras. Uh, but really, that's something I've been playing with and how to distill it down so my coaches can do it. So I've got two different devices and I'm not tied to any of them, but uh, one is kind of user level. You can use it. And the other one is kind of research grade. And so that's been my big kick recently is kind of a physiology focus. Um, earlier this year, it was kind of biomechanics and movement, uh, but COVID threw that off when, yeah. when I couldn't screen a lot of people and do some other things. But really that's, that's the big focus right now. So you totally nerd out. hundred <laughs> percent. Love it. <laughs> so for thermo, you said thermogenics. So heat production from activity or yeah. nutrition yeah. or what? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we kind of took it from, well, some you're seeing it now with COVID, the epidemiology and like medical world. Um, but in the sports world, it's getting some traction because even on the rehab front, when someone is hurt, like say you hurt your knee, um, if we're looking at you through a thermal imaging sensor, like a camera, uh, your area that's injured will use, will have less activity and therefore show up like colder. Um, so we can look for asymmetries left to right. We can look for levels of activity and really just kind of drive the, the movement train a little bit more specific to your needs instead of just say, yeah, go through a squat, but not see what's going on internally. And none of these are just in isolation. You know, you got to watch the person and talk to them. Right. Um, but it's just something I've been nerding out on recently. So it's definitely applicable then. I mean, you're applying this to higher level therapy and movement and, and strengthening. Yeah, earlier, well, I should say late last year, I tore my hamstring, uh, grade two, um, you know, got some PRP on it and kept going, never really stopped doing things. But that's when I started to research into it because my own events drove that kind of uh, interest. And I saw that and it was like, okay, well, that's something I could potentially take into the gym. Because we also have a physical therapy studio in-house. We have yoga studio, we have a recovery room, we have all this other stuff. It was like, hey, out on the floor, if I have someone uh, returning post-hamstring, can I just put this on while they do their workout and see the level of activation or the level of heat production in the injured area. And if it's not the same or within a certain degree of difference, uh, then we probably shouldn't go full speed and we probably shouldn't go back to normal, much less add on horsepower. Right. Right. So is that physical therapy um, studio or, or practice directly in line with your business? Like are, are, is it synergistic or is it just housed in there? Uh, it's synergistic. So I specifically chose a therapist because she was mine um, in the military and then uh, leased the space to her when she was getting out because she did not want to uh, continue on the military chain because she was getting promoted out of the fun stuff, which was treating right. patients. Right. And uh, she is in 100% alignment. It's vice versa. So if I have a, an athlete with a problem, I refer to her. And then when someone comes in with a pre-existing problem, like we've got a lot of injured guys around here coming in from the military side, she does the eval, she does the diagnostics and recommend, recommends like a loading pattern or profile. Um, and then we put that in an individual program. 
And so when, when we have um, a system of checks and balance, it's not just me as the coach trying to make them awesome at whatever. Um, and it's not just her as a clinician saying, oh, you should never go hard again because you're going to hurt yourself. Um, and we absolutely crosstalk and she's great. She sees me, she treats me, I'm 100% biased. Yeah, well, I think that that's a really good point. Some, uh, some gym owners I know have tried to bring in um, chiropractors or PTs or uh, you know, even m- massage therapy, all these things to help supplement or, or collaborate without the thought of, we actually need to have a synergistic and, uh, like relationship where we're sending each other, where, we, where it's not, you just come and get PT, you come and get PT and you're using the facility to get better. I, when I own my affiliate, I happened to move into a building where there was a, a PT clinic already. And I thought, oh, this is great. My wife's a physical therapist. This is awesome. It's going to work really well. Well, she only treated really super old people. So there was no synergy whatsoever, right? Um, There could have been, but there just wasn't. So I think that's a really good thing to point out is like, be intentional about that relationship. Just don't think that just bringing someone in is going to make all the difference. Like magically, you're going to get all those people in her clinic or his clinic to move directly into your gym. There's got to be a really close tie and relationship. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. And and even with our yoga studio and the folks that we let in house back to that suitability fit and risk thing, like, uh, you know, if if it's not a good fit for our environment, the risk there would be her driving people away, you know, saying, Oh, that programming is going to hurt people and stuff. No, she gets it. She absolutely understands. If you want to train at a high level, there's going to be dings, there's going to be other stuff. And, And conversely, she trusts what we do. She's one of our athletes, our, our physical therapist. And so um, well, all of them in that office. And so when they see what a, you know, progressive approach to fitness and, and goals can look like and, and a little bit more, um, you know, a methodical approach to things instead of just random, she's one of our biggest advocates and it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'd love to hear those types of stories because I've heard the ones where it doesn't work. Um, oh, yeah. So, so as far as like, like Chris right now, like if you were to look back in your history, the six years of owning your gym, and the business aspect of your gym, what has been the most pivotal thing you've learned? Like, has it been from a book, a podcast, a person, a course, and, and what, what is it? And what did it do for you? Um, I think I would have to say a personal learning point, and I don't know when it occurred or when it, when it struck me, um, was I was trying to make a lot of people fit my version of fitness or uh, programming or something like that, as opposed to um, meeting them where they're at and kind of what we're doing a lot more of now. So as you can tell, like I, I do nerd out on things and, and I kind of go down these rabbit holes and just, uh, have a tendency to think that's what everybody needs or wants because it's, it's evidence-based and it's all this other stuff, but we've, we've switched that recently to, uh, evidence-based, but athlete proven. And so I don't care if I have the best book. I don't care if I have the, a study showing whatever, if my athletes aren't going to do it, it doesn't have the same weight. Now there's a, there's a talk about creating buy-in and getting them to do uh, stuff that maybe is right at the edge of their comfort zone. Um, but it takes both. And that's the whole purpose of meet the athletes where they're at and then start to make the roadmap. And I use, I use a map analogy uh, with my athletes all the time. Like if we're driving coast to coast, that's great. But if you're aiming for San Francisco and I'm aiming for Tallahassee, we're on the wrong, you know, we're not even having the same conversation. So where do they want to go meet them there and then try and find the way to get them there optimally. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a book that you would say, Hey, everybody, you need to read this if you're a gym owner. 
Ooh, just one. Um, yeah, I would say there's, there's one called essentialism, um, that I'm a big fan of. And it's, it's exactly that. Like, uh, what is essential? What is optimal? Because I have the tendency to go full bore and go maximal on a lot of things. Yeah. And essentialism is it's perspective, right? So what I, I figure is essential is different than what you do. And so if we recognize that it's easier to come to a shared understanding. Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, before we, before we hit the record button, we were talking about podcasts and you say you listen to podcasts. What do you, what podcasts do you, do you listen to? I mean, if you're like me, I, I rotate through like 50 different ones. But Absolutely. I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat, man. I, I definitely shift through a bunch because sometimes it starts with the, the few that I normally use, whether it's uh, um, oh my goodness, like spiral out the training think tank podcast, my muscle project, some of those. And a lot of times they'll drop podcasts or books that they've heard that's completely yeah. off spectrum. And I love that because I try and diversify so much. And so, um, you know, recently it's been one called, uh, I, I listen to every podcast in their series in about a week period called Mission, Mission Critical Training Institute. And it's about these mission critical teams. And it talks about complexity and understanding and routine versus critical communication. Um, and a lot of it had... Uh, they take it from like trauma teams and trauma surgeons to military to uh, pilots um, on how they get stuff done. And it was interesting to me. Some of it applies to coaching and, and humans too. Cueing, dialogue, all these other things. Um, so it's pretty powerful, but yeah, it's, I can't pick just one. Yeah. That sounds pretty high level. That sounds pretty, pretty cool. Uh, it's, did, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Did you take anything and apply it from that? Or are you just kind of generalization kind of going through it? hundred percent did uh, on one of the episodes in there, he talks about a trauma team has a very high rate of burnout and team split almost of any other sector in the world. And to me, some of the similarities were of people hitting like stagnation and leaving gyms and other things. And uh, when you walk in, everything seems hunky dory, everything seems great. Um, but you don't perceive the undertones of when just, you know, uh, subconsciously the conversation switches from routine to critical and back and forth. Um, and some of those just ways to communicate more effectively during those times. So when I'm having a conversation with you and I before class, it's great. But when you're trying to do something on a deadlift or something else, I need to be very precise with what I'm saying. So you don't blow your back out. Um, and then just, you know, dialogue anyway, to build team cohesion when the, the setting is complex. There's a lot of variables that make independent changes on the whole outcome. And right. to me, that applied a lot to programming. Oh, that's really good. So, um, so you are, you're just, you're just a student. You're taking in all these new things and continually refining and, and um, changing the way that you do things or improving, probably not changing, but improving. So what's your, what's your goal when you retire from, that, from the military and you're no longer an active military? What is, what, what does life for Chris look like at that point? Uh, still don't know if I can sit still well, especially because that's like on the very short horizon now with uh, my retirement kind of pending. But really, um, there's a couple different options. One, I'd love to sit and, and do a lot more in the gym, day-to-day -day type things. Uh, but I do have a couple of offers and a couple of uh, projects that I'd like to work on um, within the military and kind of the, the human performance research and development space. Um, so there's some things there that I'd really like to get into and, and I probably will, but I'm definitely not giving up the gym, keeping the business going and, and maybe expand some things there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, what's your ultimate vision? I mean, 
<clears throat> what's your driving force for having a gym? I mean, obviously you're a nerd when it comes to biomechanics and getting yeah. people better and all these other things, but, but what's the big picture driving force? Yeah, man, it was, it was my own uh, experience. So I, I joined because of 9-11, but was in route to med school uh, at University of Texas. So 9-11 happened. I was like, hey, I'm going to join the military because I don't want to go do this school stuff. I'll be done in like two years when the war is over and have some good stories, get my college paid for it. Yeah, almost 20 years now, um, still in, but went medical the whole time just uh, in the special operations community. And med school was always the goal. Um, but then in 2006, uh, I got diagnosed with cancer. And so uh, in that process, I just fell in love with um, making humans better, but upstream. Uh, so I think a lot of the healthcare system in the U.S. is focused on uh, sick care. And I think, right. you know, you can take from that what you want. But my whole focus, even back then, was like, what can we do upstream to make people live a longer, fuller life? And then just through opportunities with the military, and they saw my passion for that. Uh, I got sent out to a bunch of pro facilities, a bunch of uh, behind the, the scenes stuff with CrossFit, Jim Jones, Mountain Athlete, all these other ones. And that's kind of how the business came about. And I would never leave it now because I see the impact we can have on people from a health perspective. And, you know, I'll say it, the life-changing impact of of getting through some of these military events and then returning from significant injuries uh, to a high level of function later on. So that's what drives me. Wow. Well, I, I, I love the, the thing that um, Jocko would say, like, you know, Chris, Chris had cancer. Good. Like what came out of it? Like, good. What, I mean, you've really, really moved in a really impactful way, that proactive approach. Uh, so I can't ignore you got, you got, you had cancer. Was it life-threatening? Yeah, it was uh, one, because I was too stupid to go get checked. Um, you know, 22 years old, high on life, um, was uh, on a deployment. So they were about 90 to 110 days at the time. Uh, and it was the height of the war, right? So it was like 2006-ish. Uh, um, we were doing like Baghdad, Fallujah, Ramadi stuff, all the action. Yeah, uh, and I didn't even tell anybody. So I went about three months, three and a half months without telling anyone, even though I knew I had some stuff. And I had testicular cancer. Um, same stuff Lance Armstrong had. I just luckily did get it diagnosed much earlier. Uh, yeah, so I had to get, you know, had to have surgery, had to go up to uh, Walter Reed and go through the radiation stuff. They thought it spread up my lymph nodes. Luckily, it didn't. Um, but, you know, it could have been much worse. Yeah. And so in that time, you got a lot of time to think and a lot of time to um, reflect and that's what, what kind of hit me when it hit me was like, Hey, I can do a lot of good doing a lot of stuff that's pre-hospital. Um, and I can do a lot of stuff that not necessarily solving cancer. That's I'm never going to be that type of person. Um, but what can I do to make people healthier and more ro resilient, robust upstream. So when they get sick, it's not as bad. And that's what the doctors were telling me the whole time. They're saying, Hey, you're, you're super healthy. This saved you. You're super healthy. It, it, it really uh, worked in your benefit. But here's the thing, Scott, I was an endurance guy. I was doing 12 and 24 hour races. I could barely get myself out of bed. And so I was like, something is wrong with my fitness. If they're telling me I'm super fit and, and I can you know, run this time and for this distance, uh, but I have problems with strength. And that's when I got a little bit more into CrossFit's arena. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really shifted my mindset there as well. Like, holistic fitness is different than my version of fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, um, an incredible way to take something that is, you, you know, could be destructive in your life, 
um, I've seen a lot of people who have battled and um, lived through cancer be kind of um, make it a part of their their own identity. Uh, it's it's always been interesting. My dad had cancer around the same time, and it was very life threatening. And it's he he's never been involved in anything cancer since. Like he's like it's not who I am. Like it's it's something I had. It's not who I am. Have you battled that? Have you ever felt like you know been on that cancer bandwagon where you're you know like what 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 was your response I, I, to all that? Yeah, I completely agree with your your dad. Like I never wanted to make it my identity and about me. Um, we will host cancer things and I'm hosting right. a blood drive at my gym next week to, to give back on that front and I'll do a lot with it. But, um, I, I remember specifically sitting in some of the recovery wards and watching all these kids with cancer. Uh, and they were doing a study on them having watched, watched cartoons about white blood cells and seeing what it did. I remember seeing all this other stuff and I'm like, man, those are the troopers. I'm not going to make this about me no matter what the outcome is, but how can I help people? That was the big goal. If I can help people cancer irrelevant, um, diabetes, all these other things. Like that's what I want to do, but I don't try and, uh, push that because I know there's a lot more problems out there than just cancer. So I try and do a uh, broad spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the beauty of all of this, but also the extremely frustrating part of this right now is the fact that we know, um, in fact, one of my recent guests, Ben Olin has large on his windows. Uh, we build COVID resistant humans. <laughs> that's like on it. the outside of his gym on the windows it is his marketing and he gets people obviously livid and pissed at him but he's like it's the truth we're building people resistant to to, to disorders or disease yeah. uh yeah so but that's also caused an incredible amount of frustration and that's the first thing that's being shut down we don't need necessarily need to have a conversation about that but it goes well beyond before covid because i really truly believe if we had a more proactive health orientated, fitness orientated mentality as a, as a, as a country, COVID would be way less of an impact. Like, yeah, completely agree, man. And, and yeah. you were talking about books earlier, like one I just read recently called Upstream by Chip and Dan Heath, the same guys who are made to stick. They yeah. talk about that, our healthcare model, about all this other stuff. And this is before COVID, but you know, we're, we're doing that, but it's, it's hard to quantify that. And it's hard right. to show that as opposed to, well, we spend this many, many dollars on healthcare and, and insurance. Well, yeah. What, what's the, the cost? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bigger there. So it's a big purpose. You have a, the bottom line is, is you have a very large driving purpose keeping you in this game. hundred percent. I don't think uh, the energy would be there if I didn't, you know, with the, with the army job and trying to raise an eight year old and all this other stuff. I don't think that'd be there if it didn't drive me, you know, I don't, I would argue, I don't have a lot of fun hobbies. I don't golf, even though I'm in Pinehurst and I don't do a lot of other stuff, but uh, what gives me true happiness return on investment is just the way that it's helping people and seeing that life impact I can have on others. Cause once I'm gone, you know, they won't probably won't remember too much about Chris McNamara, but those people's lives who I touched and made better, man, that's, that's powerful. And that's what drives me. Yeah. A legacy of health, leaving behind a level legacy of health. That'll transition to your, to your, kids. I mean, it just goes full circle. Um, cause earlier, honestly, I was thinking as you were explaining all of the things you listen to podcasts, the books, the learning, it's all super nerdy and it's totally relatable to what you do. You gym and, and, um, military. And I'm like, well, what do you do for fun? But it sounds like that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's the other part too, is, uh, I'm not going to lie. My job's pretty fun. I get, I get paid to skydive and 
Yeah. I drive, drive dirt bikes and, and shoot guns and all this other stuff. So the job is an adrenaline rush in and of itself. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's fun. So I'm, I'm lucky, man. I am blessed in terms of I do a job that I love. I have a business that I love. And so that, that happiness is there. I don't need to chase an adrenaline fix and I don't need to, uh, you know, I'm never going to turn the wrenches on the old Mustang in the garage. Like I, I get more enjoyment out of helping humans get better in the gym. And that's, that's really what does it for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would and do pay to do things like that, <laughs> getting paid to do, you know, shooting really cool weapons and um, driving fast things. Motorcycles would be really sweet. Um, yeah, probably, yeah, especially yeah. in the way that you would end up doing it, but, and skydiving, all those things are things that we pay for. And that's, you know, of course you're walking away a little bit away from that. Are you going to still get a dose of that through some of the, the projects that you'll do? Uh, potentially, um, with the way I'm tied into it and, and some of the studies we've commissioned through, uh, the Duke and UNC system that I'll stay tied into probably for life. Look at those things and some of the ways they affect people, uh, periods of prolonged stress and then periods of intermittent life threat stress. Uh, so those things I'll still be a part of, but I, I have closure cause I'm completely happy with what I did over my military career. So it's not going to be something that eats me. Um, and really like, I'll tell you the, the mileage it does put on your body, uh, you know, not a bad thing if I'm not beating up the knees and back any more than I already have. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, a few, a few more things before we, before we, uh, wrap up, uh, you've got, you've implemented, been implementing level method for a while and you do have a little different business model. So first, why did you choose level method? Man, it was an interesting story. One of my individual athletes, military guy was uh, I think he was down in Florida, Louisiana on, on a training trip. And he sends me this picture of the level method chart. He's like, Hey man, they have your stuff. And I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know what it is. And, and it wasn't, it was, it was the, I think the generation one map or whatever, but I was already using similar tests. I used the secret service snatch test. I used the Oxford rowing test, which is a you know three-part rowing test with a 20 minute row, one mile time trial, like all this other stuff. And um, he, and then the modified functional movement screen. And so he not knowing was like, it's the same thing. And he thought it was the other round. And I was like, no, this is way better than I could ever do it myself. And much more uh, like properly packaged, I would say. So really um, it was a no brainer for me when I saw it. And I'll tell you that the membership thing was something I was already looking at. How do I gamify memberships so that they want to come back? How do I give them levels as, as we do now? But I was looking at it belts like WWE belts. So when someone would PR that the women would hold the female one, the guys would hold the other one. So I was playing this whole game, but the level method really appealed to me for my coaches. Um, so when I'm trying to relay my nerdery to them, uh, it doesn't always translate the same. And so now we can have a common operating language to coach from. And so for my coaches was the no brainer. I love it for my people, but when I can tell my coaches, Hey, this guy is a blue two. Um, when he is this, this, and this, uh, we want to work on these things. Now, some of my individual athletes, we add like military things. I have to do some rock based training, some swim based training, but the framework is the same. So really we start there and then we can build. That's incredible. Yeah. Because I, you know, how long you've been with us? A couple of years. I've yeah. A couple of years now, man, two, three years at least. You went through the first version of the map and then the, the, the latest version, which is probably going to stick for a very long time. It seems very well refined in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Um, and so you've been with us for a while. 
how, how, how's the evolution of how you've used it? Has it been pretty consistent how you've used it? No, it's morphed as well. Um, you know, early on we would, uh, we'd bring folks in and say, Hey, we're going to put you through all the tests and we're going to do all these other things at one period of time. Um, and, and kind of get them on board, but it's really weird. I, I think it's back to like the social change. A lot of people will come in and know what their weight and pull up is. Their front squat is, we'll know these other things. And if we put them through a movement screen and they move safely, like we kind of get them into class. And then the programming is built such that, uh, on Thursdays it's off active recovery or level method test day. Oh, um, and so like for our gym, uh, I program Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is that, like I was saying, off active recovery to level method makeup. And then Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday is just closed. But with that, I can take someone and say, hey, we just did this on Wednesday. I don't have your front squat weighted pull up lactic tolerance. Let's test that Thursday. Okay, cool. They'll come in and, and they'll do it then. They get the social aspect. That's for our class stuff. For individuals, we build it into their first on-ramp um, right. couple sessions, but that's easy because they're not trying to match a class schedule. Do you, what's the response to your, your new people coming in, um, getting that assessment? Hands down, love it. And, and I think it's, it's a separator, you know, and, and the ones who don't stay with us, like I can't speak to their things, but it has been an absolute draw for a lot of our members. Um, heck, I'm, I'm doing some media stuff with a guy this week, like uh, he's coming in to shoot a bunch of things for us. He might join because of the level method when he heard it explained and, and he does his own thing in his garage and he never had someone take a methodical approach like that and loved it. So really for us, as soon as we show it to them, you know, people like to have some version of quantified results. And so that's what we've always been about is performance based. Like how, okay, you want to get fit at what, what is your, give me a metric of success for you. Now the level method kind of lays that out for them. And we'll have some that even with a body fat change um, is their goal or a body composition change they'll also add in, or we will encourage them to add in a couple performance metrics that fit with that. So they have like cross validation. Yeah, you lost weight, great. And you're more fit. And then that psychological piece, you know, it just, it, it compounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've added some objective, two, two different types of objective data that you're, you're matching. I'm sure you do a lot more because you're so sciencey, but yeah. um, it, I mean, it just makes sense for your for the things that you love, level method makes sense. It clicks while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But I love the story about how you found it with a coach visiting somewhere else. Um, that's not the first time I've heard that story, but, and it's always Florida. These Florida gyms have a lot of power. I wonder, man. It was, yeah, it was somewhere Southeast. I'm trying to remember. And he was telling me, I was like, no, that's way better. I got, I got to get on board with that. So I set up a call like that day. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, what would you say to a gym, uh, Maybe someone, an owner is listening to this and he's a little bit on the fence. I mean, what's your sales thing? I mean, you kind of said it, but how would you wrap that one up? Yeah, I would just say it's, it's the separator between the constantly varied fitness piece with objective fitness. And so constantly varied is, is great. It has a time and place. Um, but I think with the, the internet of everything and apps for everything now, when we can quantify things for people more, it just gives that, that sticking points that a lot of people, uh, myself included, used to leave gyms for because after a little while, it stagnates and there's nothing left. You've capped out. This always gives you something to focus on. And more importantly, uh, I would say if you keep people from backsliding, um, as the holidays come up, we are taking an approach to say, here's your level, don't lose it. Because um, we're retesting in January. And so 
it might be a little bit of like intrinsic motivation when they're hitting the holidays and not wanting to work out and like, Hey, don't lose your level. And so that's just something we can use as opposed to, Hey, don't get less fit. That's hard to quantify. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's awesome. Okay. One final question. Okay. Don't think too much about it and don't worry about what people think. What is your one greatest superpower? Oh man. I love asking this question. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I would say um, my greatest superpower would probably be my ability to laugh about anything. There you uh, go. You know, in, in certain situations in life where it's literally life threatening and everything else, uh, my ability to laugh about the situation, take a deep breath and reorient on what is purposeful has been, um, it's got me through a lot. Yeah. And that's whether that's, you know, like you were saying earlier, members hitting you with the stray voltage stuff or other things. And back to what I was getting about with critical versus routine communication. Sometimes it's good to just have a laugh, reorient it and, and get back to what is truly important um, as opposed to just letting it consume me for no reason. And, and there's a time place to be serious. I get that. Uh, but when you can take a laugh at yourself included and what you're doing, I think that's powerful. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. it it's really fun to um, get a, an insight into somebody who, you know, is a little more into the elite. Um, you're into elite fitness and elite forces. <laughs> so that's kind, of, try. Try. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I think that's a power, uh, a superpower in itself. So um, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. All right. So, hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gym Mastery Podcast. We uh, have an episode every week and we talk just like we talked with Chris. We talk to like ridiculously amazing people. So check it out. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Give us a really quick review. Good, bad or indifferent. I want it all. Well, never mind. I don't want bad. I just want good. So give me a good review. And if you're not a part of the level method, check us out, man, you are missing out on all these things that Chris and all of our members or our guests so far have talked about. There is a lot of value in level method. Again, thank you for being a listener and have an amazing week.